Good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Today, I'm very pleased and honored to have with me as my guest Jorge Delcanvo, who's a legendary Silicon Valley attorney at uh, Pillsbury. Um, Jorge, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, Jorge, um, as you may recall, I almost came and uh, worked with you in 1998. Do you remember that? Yes, it would have changed your life for the better. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if and I... hours and hours. <laughs> well, tell me, you have obviously been. Uh, in Silicon Valley your entire career. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got started with your super successful uh, career in Silicon Valley working with startups. Right. Well, I started in San Francisco uh, with uh, Pillsbury, uh, straight out of law school. And uh, initially, I wanted to be a litigator. And I found uh, that I really wasn't suited for it, which isn't unusual for young lawyers to... <laughs> And it happened to coincide uh, with the great IPO boom of 1983, hmm. uh, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. <laughs> and, and that was the PC boom. Oh, right. Or the PC-related boom. You know, there was a s- series of companies uh, in the semiconductor uh, and related spaces going p- public all at once. And uh, we, were do- we were inundated with IPOs. And so they asked for, the corporate groups asked for volunteers. Hmm. And so I joined. Uh, and it was supposed to be a temporary assignment until things slowed down. Uh, but I never came back. Hmm. And so I became uh, an IPO lawyer, as it were, hmm. uh, as a second or third year associate. And then started doing companies um, in parallel. Hmm. And my first client uh, was a company called Deepa Textiles, Hmm. which was started by the spouse of one of our clients, uh, Deepa Thomas. And uh, she had applied the uh, fabulous semiconductor model uh, to textiles. And so she was designing textiles in San Francisco and... uh, selling them through sales reps throughout the world and manufacturing overseas. Hmm. So she had, uh, and she had on her board uh, Jean Hornet, who was one of the founders of Fairchild Semiconductor. No, neat. And um, Marshall Cox, who was the founding CEO of uh, Intersil. So it was sort of, it was a very small deal, and I was um, asked to take the lead on it because the budget was so small. Hmm. And... Um, and so I fell in love with startups and realized that this was really where my passions lay. Hmm. What is it you like what is it that you like so much about working with startups? Well, a couple of different things. I think one was that um everyone um was very uh, passionate about what they were doing. It wasn't a job for anyone. And what we were all, and what it was all about was very constructive. Mm. You know, there was litigation. It, it was a win-lose type of world. Mm-hmm. You know, you won the motion, the other person lost it. Uh, startups, um, whether it's a financing or a license, uh, yes, there is an element of that to it. But really what you're trying to do is make one plus one equal three. Mm-hmm. And so you want to negotiate uh, transactions and agreements that work for everyone 
because you expect that over the long term, you will be working together. Mm. In other words, you invest in the company, and now you're on the board for five, ten years. And so if you, you, know, if you cut too fine a deal, uh, then um, you know, you're going to have to ex- live with it with the entrepreneur sitting next <laughs> to you for a long time. Mm. Uh, and the other thing I found that was interesting was that it was very uh, – the legal aspects of it were important, of course, but the business aspects um, – were transcendent. Mm. And so uh, what it required was sort of a broader skill set, which is you had to be able to translate your legal advice into meaning, into things that were meaningful from a business standpoint for them. Mm. And so it was, and again, the, but the other thing I think, um, you know, thinking back to that first client, I was just shocked that anyone would even listen to me. <laughs> and so she was a first-time entrepreneur. Mm. I was effectively a first-time corporate lawyer Hmm. and so um, we hit it off uh, instantly and are still very good friends Hmm. Um, I just bought uh, my our house in San Francisco from her uh, a few months ago oh how funny by way of uh, over dinner of all (laughs) things so um, but but as a result of that one experience uh, or that one client um, you know I built an entire practice as an associate. Um, you know, first her husband hired me uh, for his startup, which was um, in the semiconductor space, a company called NextGen Microsystems mm. that I ultimately took public and sold to AMD for, I think, $800 million uh, back when that was real money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I met a gentleman named Dado Bonatau uh, at their Christmas party. And he started a company called S3, hmm. which uh, invent you know and invented the graphics accelerator. He hmm. earlier invented the uh, gr- the chipset, hmm. and so um, and similarly that went public, um, and was ultimately uh, sold many years later. Um, but you know it was int- I ended up representing virtually every one on the board or, or all the investors, mm. all of whom came from um, the technology space. Mm. And they, in turn, would in- introduce me to their friends. And, so, and that was another aspect that I never anticipated coming out of law school, was the whole idea of building your own practice, mm. and, uh, which was a step beyond having someone actually take you seriously enough to listen to your advice. Mm. And so I found that, um, you know, really um, gratifying as well and because it gave uh, me at an early age, I suppose, more independence or a feeling of more independence because mm-hmm. after all, I still had a client <laughs> who was telling me what to do. So when you look back, I mean, you've been doing this now, what, for 30 years or so? Uh, 33. 33. Do you think the whole world of startups has really changed, or do you think it's pretty much the same as when you started, or how how has it changed? I mean, what what do you see in terms of well, it's I changed? Think, I mean, I think it's changed, uh, you know, fairly dramatically, uh, but people's fundamental needs aren't that different. Mm. In other words, we were, you know, when I started, uh, you know, there were really only two major areas of focus. There is biotech. And there was sort of the PC space, and I said, including the components, et cetera. And now, um, 
you know, there there have been, you know, numerous waves of disruption that have come through and seemingly are accelerating. Um, and so you have a much greater variety mm. of opportunities. Um, technology has made it possible uh, for to build companies at a relatively low cost. You know, a gentleman by the name of Steve Blank, uh, you know, sort of started what's called the lean startup mm, right. concept. Uh, but it's literally true. I mean, in other words, so you can, and it and it's not just the ability using technology to build things faster here, but it's also allowed you to connect and have design centers at a very early stage in your existence in other parts of the, you know, sort of the virtual corporation. Mm-hmm. But that's something that's completely different from when I started, where uh, the VCs would only invest in companies they could drive to. And those companies, um, until they achieve fairly massive scale, uh, would have 95% of their headcount in one building in Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. Uh, Geographically, things have changed. Uh, There's now more uh, areas uh, in the country and the world, really, where you have sufficient critical mass of technical talent uh, to be able to build great companies. Mm. Uh, there used to, when I started, it was just Boston and the Silicon Valley, and the Silicon Valley eventually eclipsed Boston, and so this was the center of the universe, and mm-hmm. I think still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we now have a lot of competition that we didn't have before, uh, so a lot of different. Uh, things going on, but what the commonality is that you still have, um, it's still driven by individuals who want to change the world mm-hmm. in fairly dramatic ways. Obviously, wouldn't mind making a lot of money while they're at it, <laughs> um, but it's still driven by this desire to create something different mm-hmm. that doesn't, that hasn't existed before. Mm-hmm. Well, given the variety that you talk about now and the geographic diversity, do you think it's more fun being a startup lawyer today than it was when you started, or do you do you miss the days of when it was a lot simpler? I mean, well, I, th- I which think do you prefer. You know, I think I think it's more fun now uh, than it was then, uh, if only because uh, you know technology has had an equal effect on the legal business. Yeah, no kidding. And so um, we can uh, provide services faster and uh, more effortlessly than we had before. Uh, There's some aspects of it um, that you could argue are negative and that we're now available 24 by 7. (laughs) And we have no excuse, no matter where we are, for being unable to turn the documents Mm -hmm. or or, or to speak to people. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there is no corner of the world where you can go on vacation <laughs> and credibly claim you're actually on vacation. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I've, I've gotten calls in every continent uh, <laughs> and under every context possible. Um, but I, I think it's more fun because, um, you know, as I said, the volume of stuff going on is, um, is if anything, accelerating. And uh, the caliber of the ideas... Hmm. Is uh, is still superb. I mean, it, and it maybe even growing. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. the the valley was a relatively small place, and people were, as I said, they were playing in a relatively small area. 
of, of what is of the technology that exists now. And so I think in many respects what's going on now is, is more interesting. And I don't think that the law has become more interesting. Hmm. But as I said, I think what it, a lot of what attracted me here to uh, the technology space and has kept me in it was really the more the business, you know, mm -hmm. the practical impacts on people of what we were creating. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as lawyers, we make uh, a relatively small contribution to that. <laughs> uh, but still, it's nice uh, to be able to do that. How? What kind of experience? Um, or tell me a little bit about what is the what do you what what how has the advice that you give to companies changed over the years as you've become more experienced and knowledgeable and see more things than say the young Jorge Del Cavo that started off with your first startup? Well, I mean I, I, I suppose on, on one level I actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> which uh yeah, I was to some extent learning on the job. Right. Uh back then. Um yeah, I think I'm more helpful to people. Mm -hmm. In terms, you know, for example, if someone needs to raise financing, uh, back then I didn't, when I started, I didn't know a single venture capitalist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I know quite, you know, quite a few of them. And so I can be helpful in that, can be more helpful in terms of, uh, you know, assisting in business introductions or combinations in the sense of I can tell people, here's what I, th here's where I think we're going to end up. Mm. I mean, the one nice thing about having seen the play a few times is mm -hmm. that you do have a better sense of what the outcomes are likely to be. And occasionally you can even short circuit all the interim steps mm. uh, if you can find somebody on the other side mm. who will cooperate with you. Um, the other thing I found over time is that uh, a lot of what lawyers, uh, or at least the stuff that I focused a lot of energy on mm. when I was young, um, never came up hmm. again. In other words, like, for example, when you raise money, you spend a lot of time on reps and warranties. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, absent fraud, and even then it, litigation is rare, I've actually never seen anyone in a private placement do anything about them. Hmm. You know, as if you think about it, uh, you know, the failure rate of these companies is 50% or higher. And um, so all those wonderful reps and warranties <laughs> that people will argue about, you know, I should get a 10B5 rep on, you know, et cetera. None of that stuff um, ultimately matters. And, and one of the things I, I guess I got a better appreciation for is how much of that stuff or how rare it is once the transaction, uh, for example, an investment transaction is closed, for anyone to actually look at the documents mm. Uh, and particularly some of the, you know, there's elements of it that are important uh, going forward. For example, the liquidation preference determines how you allocate merger consideration. So there's elements of it that are real important. But we used to spend a lot of time on things that, you know, I must admit over 30 years we never, <laughs> and they're still there, mind you, and for I suppose for a reason. Yeah, right. But, uh, but it, it does uh, help you pick your spots more. Mm-hmm. I think the other uh, nice part of being about uh, being at it for a while is also you get to delegate, <laughs> <laughs> which has a lot to be said for it. I think. I bet. Well, when you look back at your you know career, obviously you've been super successful. Uh, if you could go back and change a thing or two, is there something you would have done a little differently, or maybe 
I mean, can you think of anything that you you wish you'd done that you didn't do, or something you would? Uh... Well, I I think um, you know if if I had it, I mean, I would probably skip the two years of litigation. <laughs> uh, although it has benefited me, yeah. I think you after you litigate, uh, even for a short time, you never look at a sentence in quite the same way. Mm. Because you realize that people may spend years arguing over its meaning, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention your comma placement. <laughs> um, so, but but I think um, I would have gotten down to the valley a lot sooner. Mm. I actually didn't physically move to the valley until '94, and uh, and by then it was in full bloom. And so I think uh, coming here, you know, uh, conversely, uh, pr- probably now I'm splitting time between San Francisco and the Valley. I probably should have done that a decade ago. <laughs> so so there's elements of that. But I don't have any regrets about uh, the rest of it. Mm. In other words, mm. I think mm. uh, for me this has been a good profession. I've had a wonderful experience at Pillsbury. And um, so this is really what I'm, I think I'm suited to do. Hmm. Is there anything else you can think of that you still want to do in your career? Or do you just want to keep working with the startups and just sort of keep doing what you're doing? No, I think this is it. I mean, I'm at, I'm at a point where, um, yeah, I think I've done every type of transaction mm-hmm. you can imagine at both, you know, both large and small. So from that perspective, there's no nothing... Although, again, the the business context is changing. So in, in that sense, things will keep evolving. Mm-hmm. But it's really, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Mm. Now, I've known you for a long time, Rory. What do you think about the fact that I've now become a legal recruiter? Well, um, you know, it's, I mean, <laughs> as I said, I, I definitely want to hire you. <laughs> Cause we well, are, if it doesn't work out, I, we, are, we are looking for, well, I mean, I'd like to hire you oh, as, as a recruiter, yes, as, definitely. As both a lawyer and a recruiter, <laughs> actually. Um, the, I mean, I think, it, I mean, it, I, I honestly thought you were one, were and uh, one of the great lawyers in your vertical, <laughs> right? In other words, so the, well, I appreciate that, Jorge. Because I, I do think IP lawyers are almost like the Jedi Knights of... Uh, <laughs> Because you're closer to, from a legal standpoint, you're closer closer to what the end product is than than say we the corporate securities lawyers. Right, right. So your contribution to the to the to the whole, I think, can be greater. Hmm. In other words, if you make a mistake in your licensing agreement uh, or in the overall monetization strategy, that's something with broad repercussions. Hmm. Um, and I don't think that uh, a lot of IP lawyers, uh, you know, have, you know, the business sense that you exhibited at a young age, right, when you and I were f- first met. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, you could, you c- could and still can take the, take this a lot further. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but having and I and it, mind you, and I suffer from only having had one job, so I can't. <laughs> Uh, I have heard from my clients and friends that uh, change is good. <laughs> so I, I hope uh, 
this will make you happier. Well, I figure since I didn't come and work for you in 1998, this is a chance for us to work together now. No, absolutely. As I said, I'm ready to reach out across the table, shake hands, <laughs> and this, hopefully this time you'll accept. Very good. This is Richard Chu and Jorge Del Capo. Thanks. Thank you.